0: You're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. My name is Ali Salema, and it's an absolute honor to welcome you to yet a new episode of the world's exclusive youth leadership and mental health show. Every day, or actually every week, not every day, every week, I try to think about how we can truly break that boundary and and, and push it further and further and further into offering our listeners you guys a little bit more of a different perspective different information and so that like we can walk out of this every single episode richer wiser and a little bit more empathetic uh than we did walking in uh the whole purpose is really to just immerse our emotional intelligence and learn from different people's stories and just have great knowledge uh, in an applicable manner that isn't just like textbook knowledge but is more through storytelling so today's guest is an (laughs) one of the most fascinating people that have actually gotten on the show he goes by the name of ivan young and he's an organizational psychologist engineer author startup angel investor He's the co-founder of Nanyang Angels, an angel network focused in making an impact investments into startups with innovative business models that can bring positive disruption to society and environment. As a strong believer that people are the key to success to any venture innovation, Ivan has been mentoring startup founders and millennials for the past 10 years, which includes appointment as the mentor um, at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. He's passionate about social justice. He's an initiator for various global social responsibility programs as the head of Global Social Responsibility Initiatives workgroup within the European Mentoring and Coaching Council, EMCC, and the founding vice president of Social Responsibility Initiatives, EMCC, Asia Pacific Region. He's an avid speaker and he's published a book titled Department of Startup, Why Every Fortune 500 Should Have One. It's absolutely heartwarming to see Ivan do what he does every single day. This talk is one of the most insightful talks about mentorship and leadership. Uh, So without further ado, this is Ivan Young. It would mean so much if you guys could give this episode a rating and review and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or hit that follow button on Spotify as well. So that's it for now. Let's dive into our conversation with the one and only ivan young ivan thank you so much for coming on empathy always wins uh you know ever since we probably met uh, a few weeks ago it's i've always been excited to have this conversation with you Uh, but before we hop in and before we dive into our conversation could you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself a little bit more about your work and a little bit more about where you are right now
1: Okay, my name is uh, Ivan yong Kit. I'm a Malaysian, uh, but I'm based in Hong Kong for the past 16 years already. Uh, My wife is a local Hong Konger. Um, My work, I'm actually, I started off as an engineer engineer in a pharmaceutical company. So I graduated from uh, Nanyang Technological University of Singapore, and my first job was actually making asthma drugs with a big American uh, company, pharmaceutical company in Singapore. I was doing it for four years, and then uh, realized that... um, I was asked to go to the US because I was one of the star uh, star player, star employee for a year and then to return to Singapore to work there for another five years or six years sort of uh, commitment. I told my boss that uh, I don't see myself in the factory for the next 20 years. And he said, what are you going to do about it? I say, oh, I might want to have my own business one day. And he says, oh, why don't we just send you back to NTU for a business degree? I can, we can pay for it. You know, pharmaceutical has lots of money to pay. Uh, <laughs> they have lots of, lots of budget. All right. So he said, oh, so as long as it's not an MBA, we, we can pay for it. I don't even need approval from anyone, anybody higher than me. And um, I told him, I don't think I can learn how to be, do business from school. And he said, what's, what's, what are you going to do next? I said, I'll go and look for a sales job, the lowest level sales job that I can find. Uh, a sales job that allows me to learn how to do uh, you know, prospecting, sales, all the way to even collecting money. because I want to learn how to do sales from the lowest level because I believe and I truly believe even today that if it's your own business, if you don't know how to make sales, you, can't, you just can't continue doing any entrepreneurship if you don't, can't do sales yourself. Yeah. Um, so I went and looked for a lot of jobs interview. I was rejected multiple times for several reasons. One is because my pay is very high in the pharmaceutical. But two is like a lot of people think that my behavior, my personalities tend to be more of a more diplomatic kind of a person. So they feel that it's not aggressive enough for sales. Uh, I did a personality test and they told me that result was that I got rejected for that reason as well. So finally I met the last one. I said, look, before you uh, you know, say no to me, will you be hiring a fresh graduate and he said yes I'll be we're thinking of a fresh graduate I said why don't you just give me the fresh graduate salary and let me try this out for three months all you're going to lose is three months of a fresh graduate salary uh, budget so voila, he took me on and I helped him build the company from I think there was only four people in the company and within a half year we built it to 20 to 30 people in the company got handed to Hong Kong to build a to work for a psychometric company a British psychometric company and I was asked tasked to build the China business, which I continue to do that for them. I brought in a lot of big business for them. And that's also when I got interested in organizational psychology. And I and I then took a master's of science in organizational psychology from London. And now, now I'm actually an organizational psychologist. I also started writing a book. In 2019, I published a book called uh, Department of Startup Why Every Fortune Have One, which is about innovation, how do you bring startup culture e- uh, innovation into Fortune 500. And that got published by Business Expert Press New York in 2019. Wow! Uh, and and, I, and I, I also write regularly on a medium on any topics that interest me. I kind of got interested in history. So mm. a lot of the things I write about has tied into a certain history event and I use that to draw lessons. So that's a bit introductions about myself. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, yep. There's so many, there's so many like nitty gritty mm-hmm. points that we can sort of uh, take forward from here. But I, I also want to emphasize mm. the, the, the fact that you also are part of the European mentoring and coaching council, the EMCC mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and and you like now having such a, uh, spending a lot of time actually uh, on panels and and, and helping future startups what has been your experience with youth and i know your generation is quite different from our right. generation right like what are you right. experiencing that is different in terms of the way of thinking and and if you perhaps had um if you if you invested in a startup with uh you know a, a, a youth mindset. What what would be the first thing you'd be looking for, knowing that uh, knowing the disruption or knowing the behaviors that are now most common, and how to overcome, or how to have a highly successful startup, or how to be a highly successful, um, effective employee or player in the market today? What's one thing from your from your knowledge on youth and from your knowledge on on, on mentoring uh, on mentoring us?
1: Well, I've uh, maybe to i been mentoring uh, youth millennials for the past almost nine years now with the Chinese University of Hong Kong as an official mentor. So I got, uh, I one appointed by the president of the university to be a mentor there. So I've been mentoring every year two uh, millennials for the past nine years. So I've collected about 18. I've done also startup mentoring for about 10 years. And uh, one of the reasons why I got into EMCC, European Mentoring and Coaching Council, is because I was looking for a framework to see if I'm mentoring correctly or not. <laughs> <I'm doing> my- <laughs> and I found them and then they, they wrote me in to become, uh, to start the Asia Pacific chapter focusing on social responsibility. And that's how I got started with EMCC. Now, one of the things that I realized about youth today is, is um, of course, of the people that mentor, uh, there are some good stories, but there are also some not so good stories. But generally the ones that is really good are the ones that really want to learn and they take the initiative and they are, they are like you actually being appreciative. I think being appreciated is one big thing that I see common among them, humble and appreciative. And um, that makes people wants to give them more because if you uh, if you don't show up, you know, and you're not being appreciative, then it's difficult for people to show you more. I think one of the things that mentor must do is, uh, we as mentor, we are not there to, personally for me, I don't think I'm there to tell you what to do with your life. That's the last thing I'm supposed to do. But um, I, I should be able to give you certain advice based on certain subject matter expert that I have experience in. I've already done it. And I can probably tell you, look, that's not how it works out there, but you can actually think about it this way. But the thinking is still left to the to the individual. So one experience I recall very clearly is like I was asked to talk about uh, career prospects in in uh, to a bunch of accountants, accounting grants to graduates. And then, so at the end of the uh, the, the talk, there's a Q and A. And one of the accounting undergraduate, she asked this question, she said like, uh, my ambition is to be a partner of an audit firm, a big four, you know, the the big four audit firm. And I say, okay, no. So what is the kind of, uh, do you like selling? I said, do you like selling? And she said, no, I actually came here to study an accounting degree, so I never need to sell. I want to be uh, you know, an accountant and auditor. Then I tell him like, I told her then you, then you probably make a very good technical director, but you will never make partner. Mm. And uh, and uh, she just, she got down for that. I said, why? And I said, because in the real world out there, I told her, do you know that audit firms are all partnership? Uh, she said, yes. And what does that partnership mean? I say partnership means if I bring a hundred dollars I have to share with the rest of the partners. So if you want to be a partner to share the, in the pool of the profit, then you need to bring in money, and the only way to bring in money is to do sales. And she got a bit uh, she got a bit upset actually. Maybe I shouldn't have told it straight, but uh, I think that's the kind of relation I have with my mentee. I give them straight answers, and then I tell them the real world doesn't work like that. And then if I if there are areas that I don't know, I make sure I find someone in my network who can tell my mentee what is the real world out there, and they get you know real solid evidence of. Then they can make their decision. I think that's where the mentor comes in as well.
0: Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. trust is also very important. Uh, I, I wanna I wanna touch on that a little bit with you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not just trust in teams, trust in your relationship with your investors, trust with your um, trusting yourself also as well to take the risk um, in making decisions. Decision making is very. I, I find, especially for our generation, it's often more difficult than than, than than it is because we sometimes have so many ways or so many things that we can do, so many outlets that we can use. Um, so my question here is, uh, how can you build, how can you establish trust uh, within an organization or within a, a young team uh, starting out? And, and, and what happens if, you know, you 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 go wrong, and and you end up uh, you end up making a mistake that costs you quite a bit. Has have you mentored any teams that have uh, gone quite sideways, and and have they come back? Because I I also believe that this is something quite important to put a to shine a light on.
1: But this trust thing. Actually, I, I I was giving a talk in the Egyptian startup land. I think about three four weeks ago, and I talk about it. They wanted me to talk about trust and angel investment. And trust is a very interesting thing. You know, I I talk about can you gain trust on a taxi ride because that's what happened to me actually. Uh, um, what happened was I think it was almost. 2006, when I, after I left my uh, pharmaceutical job, I got this sales job, right? So I was in the CBD, the, um, central business district of Singapore in the, in Raffles, and I need to go to the Western side of Singapore, which is where the, uh, factories are to meet up with my prospect because I was selling a enterprise resource planning system to factories and, uh, I went down late, and I saw there's a long taxi queue, and uh, and uh, from my from my eye, I can see in front of me there's an older gentleman. She's dressed all in white, tucked with a you know a, a brown envelope under his armpit. I rush up to him. I say, you know, sir, can I can I hitch a ride with you on the next cab? You know, that in 2006, co sharing a cab is is very new. Nobody do that. Nobody hitch a yeah. ride with somebody else. And I look <laughs> at him, and the first thought I had was he probably was uh, like a like an office kind of like a runner that is, you know, taking documents from one, one location, another location. I say, I promise I'll send you to your location. Uh, are you going to reverse it? Yes, I promise to send you to your location first. I'll pay for a taxi ride, but I need to hop onto this taxi with, uh, with you because if I wait for the, at the end of the queue, I'll be late. So I say, fine, no problem. You Kelp know, come out. So we got on a taxi and then while I was taxi, then I was really young. I was also inexperienced at the time. And uh, he started asking me, uh, I say, you know, thank you very much for sharing the care, care with me. I say, uh, oh, would you you come from office? Do you need to go to another office originally? He said, oh, no, I came from uh, the, uh, I, I just came in from uh, my lawyer's office. And then from the lawyer's office, he didn't say my lawyer, he said lawyer's office. Then we started, he started having a conversation with me and then he started asking me asking me questions. Oh, what do you think about the shipping industry? And I gave him a straightforward answer. He like, said, oh, from what I know, and from what I'm reading, the shipping industry in Singapore is a sunset industry. It's not, it's not doing well. And I, and I don't see a you know, future in the industry. And then the conversation went on and on until you go I uh, asking, oh, what were you doing in the lawyer's office? And I he said, oh, I, I I just got a divorce. And um, then he told me why he got divorced divorce and all that. And he asked me for my opinion. And I told him, you know, um, I can't answer that question because I just got married. So I wouldn't know how to, what's the justification to get divorced. I just got married no more than two years ago. I cannot say, well, I cannot give you an answer. And at that point, he actually then tell me, gave me his name card and tell me, why don't you come over to my shipyard? And uh, I'm gonna, I, would like to, I would like you to join my company. Why don't you come over to my shipyard? He gave me a name card. I'll show you my cars. I'll show you my office and i uh you can we can discuss on what position you want with my son right to cut the story short, I found out later that he's actually a tycoon one of the shipping tycoon in singapore wow and and then um that day he happened to be going to the lawyer's office and he doesn't want his driver to know and he took a taxi uh, to go go there and then um uh, for some reason he didn't use his car, he was on a taxi and then he got gave me a job. Years later I read about him buying buying his Rolls Royce in the, on the, on the, on the newspaper and uh, I got a job offer just on a, on a taxi ride but of course I didn't take it up. I think the answer to trust is actually, you know, being honest with your answers. Uh, if you don't know, say don't know. And young people, a lot of time people, young people feel they're pressured to say that uh, if you ask me a question, I need to give an answer. I was telling you, if you don't know, just say you don't know, it's fine. Uh, make an effort to go and find out and make an effort to get back to the person with what you have found I think that's key. Um, There's no way you can can actually get trust out, uh, you know, fairly quickly in a group. I think eventually you have to work together. But one thing that is important before you establish trust is try to establish your personal win to be a common thing. So what I mean by personal win is like, in a sales process, imagine if I'm selling a software to a factory, right? In the, the decision maker could be the CEO, the uh, production people, the sales people, the warehouse people, multiple decision makers. Now, why would they want to buy my software and not my competitor's software? The reasons they each of them has a personal win, and I must be able to answer those personal win. For example, the CEO's personal win to buy the software probably is probably to be able to go and list his company and say that he used a system to run his company and when he go listing they'll fetch a better price for the finance person it's probably she wants to go home early because Mm. with an automated system she can go home early at 5 p.m. instead of working late until 7 p.m. entering data that's the last thing she wants so everyone has their own personal win now but in a team before you can trust you can build trust I think the key is to have everyone's personal win to be aligned that you can get your personal win through doing this together with me Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think that's the key. Oh, yeah. and that's the foundation to trust. That means, like, for instance, I might have a personal win and you have a personal win. It's different, it's fine. But we know that we can get, achieve our personal win by doing this common thing together, by being on this team together. I think that's Absolutely. the basis to trust.
0: And how important is it to, 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 like, where does emotional intelligence here play? Because I think that when you're talking about understanding other people's wins, I mean, yes, of course, we have to work in synergy, but what's, how can you be direct and upfront about that? Like, let's, let's perhaps get a little bit like specific, you know, uh, mm. if, I'm, if I'm going to start something new with someone, um, what are, how can I bring up the conversation about um, understanding uh, what it is for them and actually Understanding that and not like touching the surface, I, I feel yeah. you have a very successful um, angel investing uh, practice and and, and, and I, also your your the people on your team are quite di- quite diverse in terms of their geographical location. they're all around the world. And how, how do you, how do you have those conversations? and how important is emotional intelligence in in those conversations as well? understanding the underlying factor of the other person's emotion?
1: I, I think one, one of the key thing that helped me a lot is uh, in, in my sales job and all these things that I'm doing, especially sales as well, in building the business is, I have this very diplomatic kind of uh, personality. So I try to, I tend to avoid, and it's been proven if a lot of psychomotority tests, I tend to avoid arguments. So I think one of my being EQ for me is really, you know, being diplomatic uh, most time. You know, you sometimes you're right, but you don't want to be, you don't want to say it out uh, so that you can allow that person to have a time to, you know, correct himself. I think for me, uh, the key to EQ, to, kind of to find out what people want and personal win and all that, is to observe what they do rather than uh, hearing what they say. Now that will take time to build relationships. So like if you are, if you tend to observe what people do, you can see actually now these days are quite easy to some extent because you can see their postings, you can see the things they care about in their LinkedIn postings, yeah. you can see the kind of uh, organizations they join, and you can see okay from there somewhat you know what are the things they are doing with their time and you can probably infer from there what their personal wins are. Then you have a conversation, you try to find out more. Because I feel that asking direct is difficult. It's very difficult to get answers that way. But through you observe what they do, and then from there, infer certain answers, then you can find out if that's the personal win that they want. Uh, whether that is aligned with um, what you are doing or not, I think that's that's key. EQ, intelligence, chat, I think, sometimes for young people, I think it's also quite... Uh, quite i I think with my experience with mentees is that they are quite they they want to help you know they want to say they say like okay in a mentor mentee relationship they want to contribute to the relationship as well but how can they contribute and i always tell them you know um, there's this concept of reverse mentoring or reciprocal mentoring we call it now which where the younger one can actually mentor the older one like me and i tell him any form of mentoring has to come from a area where you are an expert. So look at things that you are an expert. So for example, millennials are expert in social media communication, social media, uh, you know, uh, using Instagram to tell your stories about what, you know, what you're doing for life. And my mentees, they want to taught me about Instagram. I got hooked on Instagram because of <laughs> them. Actually, you know, and and that, that comes two ways. So for EQ intelligence chat, I think again goes back to the basis of what you know and come honestly with that that conversation. At the same time, observe what your counterpart is doing, and then from there infer um, what is their personal win.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's an absolutely. I think it's a very balanced way of looking at um, at, at things. Um, I know that social uh, social responsibility is so important, you know, in mm-hmm. the work that we do today, especially as startups. We've, we we like i consider myself a social entrepreneur in the in the way i'm actually trying to go about my mental health message it's it's simple it's empathy always wins it's always about empathetic leadership but how how are you seeing the change in tolerance when it comes to social responsibility you know uh, especially when it comes to you know involving these conversations uh for for companies today. And I think that, you know, especially during Corona and after Corona, uh, when you talk about psychological health and safety, Mm -hmm. when you talk about the future of work, uh, how are companies going to be able to navigate that alongside, you know, making sure that they adhere to any, this like their missions and, and values when it comes to their social corporate responsibility?
1: I I think one of the key about um, corporate social responsibility, I I think for the longest time, the way that is being done is more for like, I need to put this in my annual stock shareholder report. I have to have (laughs) have a portion here that do CSR and then, you know, focus on a budget for that and then take photos after the, uh, after the project. Now what big company doesn't realize that, um, that is not actually very effective because it becomes almost like then you have all these social enterprises starting up or NGOs starting up just to go and get the budget for this year to do something for a photo shoot. I think that's not the way moving forward after this. I think what's going to happen after this now, more authenticity is going to have to become, have to be shown. So, um, and this concept of a social currency. Um, so, the idea of course, social currency is rather simple. The idea is that if you're doing something like, like, like you're doing something with empower, right? Now I see a social, I see a certain currency in that. That means if I talk about, to, about empower to other people, people will start associating me as someone who cares about mental health and what you do now has, has now a currency to it, they call it social currency. And I think company needs to acknowledge this, the, this power of this social currency. And to be able to you know uh, you know dedicate himself to a certain cause and not just for a photo shoot but then for other people to start talking about them, so to create that social currency in them. So for instance, if I'm Company A, and I started investing in mental health a lot, I, I really do a lot of work. I, it's not just a photo shoot. It's not just jumping around different social impact over the years. But then people start to talk about Company A. Being, you know, doing this, they're doing a fantastic job and all that. And that will worth a certain currency. That's a social currency to that. I think companies need to explore more on this area of social currency and not just corporate social responsibility program where you dish out a budget for a year and you end up with a photo shoot where there's mm-hmm. no continuity after that. I think that's not the way, it, how it goes forward.
0: Yeah. Is there any example that you that you have seen that, of any company or any startup like taking that the, and, and if there aren't none, perhaps that come to mind. That's all right. But is is there mm-hmm. any? Is there any perhaps? Because as you were speaking, I'm kind of thinking of, 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 the power of authenticity and vulnerability when it comes to a company sharing or a leader sharing their views and thoughts around something that has a high social impact.
1: Um, uh, I, I think what's what's happening now with the coronavirus is that uh, I was you know the, the, I was actually moderating a panel about work from home, and one of the uh, HR is telling us that because of coronavirus, they have to get their CEOs to start recording themselves from their home. And those, <laughs> and they have been experimenting, you know, how uh, you if you record from a home with your iPhone, and you can get a professional person to come to the office with a you know safe environment to do a recording and the employees are more receptive to the CEO, wearing his, you know, kind of at home t-shirt with the at home environment and that brings him closer to the people. And that has become kind of like a PR, successful PR for the CEO. And he's not producing more videos of him being casual at home. Uh, giving messages out, and I think that's where authenticity is. You see, it's like you being where you are, you are telling things from your heart, and the recording is not pre-planned or not, or, or pre-scripted. I think that's where the key to that. Uh, moving forward, I think for for example, for social currency, we always encourage our startup to say, focus on the impact first and not the market. So we always tell them, uh, you, you, oh, they always tell me, oh, the yeah, education market is this big. I only want one percent of that. That's not the way we want to go for. We say, look at a group that you impact. For example, if you talk about education, are you talking about an English education to give accessibility to all these people so they will not be left out if they have poor English? And if you do that, how can you create a social impact with that? Um, one of the social impact that we've been doing uh, is actually to give uh, English reading uh, program from the US to underprivileged kids, whereby uh, we call the we started the social startup called Genus, G-N-U-S. Mm. The idea is to give... Uh, American English reading program to underprivileged kids, uh, which costs about 150 US a year, but we refuse to go to company for sponsorship. We go to our network and we only want every single network to only buy one program for one kid. Mm. So uh, we say, for instance, you have 300 kids, we encourage 300 people to buy the program for 300 kids. So I just get more people involved rather than getting 1% to come with a big amount for everybody, like through a corporate and uh, I think mean, I'm quite happy that although we don't have, three, uh, you know, 300 people giving 200 kids, we do get quite a good ratio. And yeah. um, all these individuals that has been contributing within 18 months, we have about, we have put through 300 kids in nine countries having access to that English reading program. Uh, um, in, yeah. So what happened is we have at least hundred to odd people that are actually getting involved in our course. And, yeah what we do for them in return is, of course, we have the photos and all that, but they don't have to be there. But we go to their LinkedIn and say, look, now, um, you know, Eric now is actually supporting a kid on our program for Genius. And this is what yeah. he do. So we give, In what we do is that we, in return, we give him social currency. So yeah. that people can say, oh, and now Eric is doing something for a kid. And but it's he doesn't very need
0: important. I mean, it's, it's just, very important to, to, like, this really... I think is what will stand out from leaders and people in the next upcoming years that have kids like me, like entering the workforce, wanting to have them as their boss or wanting to just click pass because this person is all about work and I can't relate because I think, you know, one thing we're seeing is we want to be happy. We want to live happy lives. And unfortunately for many of the older people, uh, that have just stuck to one thing and haven't taken the risk, or haven't perhaps done what you've done and said, "Hey, I, I, this is what I love. I love sales, or I I want to learn this, and you know, take a cut off their own check or their own career and completely go on a different route and embrace that risk or have that tolerance." I think it takes a very brave and courageous person to do that, and unfortunately, we we only wanna be around people that make us feel more human as, as, young, as youngsters.
1: No, you, you got a point actually, because now I think the people of my generation, I'm generation X, the mistakes that we make is that we associate ourselves with a brand and the brand is a company that we work for. And I say, and, and I always tell people, the moment you leave that company, you're no longer the brand, you're just you, you know? Yeah. Then why should I pay attention to you? That's where the youngsters are doing it differently. They associate themselves as a human and the brand is they themselves. You know, you value me for me being me. All right? You talk to me for me. So that actually, I'm, I find that very exciting as well. I think that's the right way to be. Somehow in my generation, you, 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 or, or, he's so-and-so, he worked for this big bank. But then he realized when he got retrenched at the age of 45 to 50, he's no longer that bank. Even when he go back and talk to his vendors, they may not want to talk to him anymore because he didn't, there's no more like so-and-so with this bank. It's just, yeah. it's just so-and-so. Yeah. But he did not take his lifetime to invest in himself. And what I like about the young people is that they start to discard this idea that this doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is me being human and you being human and you being you and me being me. And we find common interests to do together. I think that's what excites me about the younger generation absolutely uh, there's, there's a positive thought about the whole
0: thing yeah absolutely i think it's it's a very exciting time after after the, the coronavirus pandemic and it's very 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 interesting to see where uh where the future of work will go so um no i just want to take a moment to say thank you ivan for coming on empathy I always i definitely see you as being a a, a recurrent guest uh, there's so <laughs> much you. we could there's so much we could talk about but uh for the purposes of this episode i feel that the message is, is very clear and and i think that your journey is very important for people especially those listening to us from asia um, to really un- to to really understand and i feel that um it's it's we find a lot of common grounds between uh you know us youth and, and leaders like you are able to share their vulnerable stories and and are able to share their fears and are able to share their lessons with us so i just want to take a moment i will be putting your contact information in in, in the in the description of the show notes so if any of our listeners would like to listen uh, would like to reach out to you or would like to help out in the initiative of helping a, a child uh, learn or, or gain that uh, the resources to fully be equipped to learn English as well, because I do believe that many could be interested in that as well.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me actually. And I, I, I think when I was younger, just like you, I have a mentor for some reason, he took a liking and, you know, he helped me out for nothing in return. And that has stuck with me for the past 20 years. We can talk about it in another in time, but I think someone did help me out of no expectation of any return. And I guess that stuck with me yeah yeah,
0: and it's powerful it's powerful because uh you know we're definitely i think that deserves an entire episode by itself and the power of mentorship and and all that but that is the only reason why you know me and you have connected and and perhaps if you know it, i very rarely i mean i've only done that with another person and this other person also came on my podcast and Uh, she's a forbes contributor in the uae and she's one of the leading anti-money laundering uh, lawyers actually there and sometimes you just are shocked by the power of not just linkedin and social connections but people and how they feel and what they can offer you and for nothing in return and uh, i just got a call yesterday that she was starting a new company and she wants me to be one of her like consultants around like xyz and i was like what serious like we just did a podcast like and well, you never know you it's never a, you know. Can
1: go, you can go on a taxi ride and get a job with I, a shipping tycoon yeah.
0: that's exactly it and that's the message i really want to leave our listeners with is is that you know empathy just being vulnerable being your most authentic self and and having just your most natural raw self and in opinions in whatever that is including if you don't know something uh there's always 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 um no harm in doing that there's only gains from that so um ivan once again
1: it's been a pleasure having you Yep. thanks ali thank you so much
0: wow <laughs> what an episode um you can go on a taxi ride and get a job that's that's incredible i feel that you know, learning all those uh, real life experiences, just being very honest and leading in, in, in the manner that just shows true authenticity and, and being vulnerable and not being scared to share your thoughts. Even if you're wrong, being OK to be disagreeable. It's, it's so powerful. And uh, just want to say thank you so much, Ivan, for coming on. It's definitely not the last time we'll have Ivan. Uh, We do have that uh, yet another episode to speak on the power of mentorship with Ivan. Um, But I hope you guys came. I hope you guys learned something and and, and sort of got something out of this discussion. I feel that Ivan's message is very powerful. and. You know, mentors did change my life. Dr. Nasser Loza, if it wasn't for me speaking at the World Health Organization, if it wasn't for me meeting him at Harvard, if it wasn't for a simple email, hey, would you like to fly over to sort of attend this workshop by the World Health Organization? I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be 1% of where I am. So I um, I really believe in Ivan's message. And I just believe that if we gave ourselves the space to... Um, give back if we are sort of established or if we sought out the right mentorship or the right support peer buddy. I think the power of mentorship is all about accountability and, and sort of giving back. So we can do that to one another or we can help sort of someone who is still on their journey if we have sort of that expertise. But on that note, I'd like to leave you guys with this simple message that we can do it. We, we can make a change. We can be that difference if we choose to be. So thank you for listening and thank you for tuning in. And uh, make sure to, again, leave a rating, review, and subscribe to the show if you like it. And share it with your friends as well. I feel that it's so important to share the value with people we love so that we're all winning. Um, and in life and in business, empathy always
1: wins.